So I don't know about you guys, but I'm very excited that we are covering not one, but two rubber masks are indistinguishable from Faces episodes. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is the Gem Jam, where we do an episode-by-episode recap of the 1980s cartoon Gem and the Holograms, because it is truly outrageous and there are truly too many gems. By the way, the official definition of too many gems is two gems. You know, you'd think that, but we get three of them later. Uh, This is episode 30 of season two, episode four, One Gem Too Many, which is one of our two episodes in rapid succession that deal with the fact that this world apparently plays by Scooby-Doo rules and no one can tell a rubber mask apart from human flesh. So this episode is actually written by Buzz Dixon. Buzz Dixon has uh, is a new writer for the show, but he has worked on a lot of teleplays or various shows in the 80s and 90s. He also worked on like 11 episodes of G.I. Joe. So we open in Starlight Manor, where Mrs. Bailey is nowhere to be seen because Jerrica is cleaning up after the Starlight Girls messes. If I told these girls once, I've told them a thousand times. And of course, as soon as she picks up that uh, placemat covered with plate and glass and junk, the window breaks because someone is causing problems. Because somebody threw a cliche through the window. Oh, and then we go outside and there's a girl fight happening. And and not the kind of girl fight you see in, in entertainment oriented towards dudes where it's all like slapping. We're talking like actual hair pulling. I'm going to choke you out girl fight. Oh yeah, one of those girls is pigtails. It is all downhill from here. Also, these are definitely uh, two of the Starlight Girls who are voiced by one woman. So their voices are like, sorry, Jerrica. Yeah, sorry, Jerrica. Uh, it's like those bits in Mass Effect where Mark Mir and Mark Mir are talking about Mark Mir to Mark Mir. So Jerrica breaks up the fight and she's exhausted and the rest of the holograms are like, get in, loser. We're going shopping. And then Jerrica's like, oh, crap, I forgot. Uh, Starlight needs their tax returns. They're due tomorrow. Does she do the entire company's taxes herself? Apparently. So Kimber's like, aw, you're never any fun, Jerrica. But they drop her off at Starlight Records. Where she in a pink power business suit goes in to do her tax returns. Here's the weird thing, though. They drop her off in, like, some red four-door economy car? Where's the Rockin' Roadster? Whose car is this? I'm thinking the Rockin' Roadster's in the shop and this is a loner. So Jerrica does business and with a capital B for like a million hours, then gets up, stretches, and goes into the recording studio by herself. Where she begins to sing also by herself. We get our first song of the episode, which is Gem and the Holograms, Imagine Me. And the thing about this music video is it just kind of reinforces that Jerrica can't have fun. It's so weird. Because she's like, imagine me, and she's talking about relaxing and swaying in the wind. And the vision she has of herself doing these is Jim. Yeah, every time that she thinks of herself doing regular business things with responsibilities, she's Jerrica. But every time she relaxes, she's Jim. That's freaked up. She's also a Greek Disney princess, Jim. Anyway, why is Rio here? Rio's here. Bart said, like, Jerrica, I thought I heard Jem singing. And she's even, like, stepping away from the microphone and holding headphones. Rio. I was just listening to a recording. Also, whenever Rio hears Jem singing, his immediate impulse is to burst into whatever room she's singing in. Tell me that doesn't sound like Rio, though. That does sound like Rio. <laughs> so Rio's like, do you want to go out for lunch? And Jerrica's like, I'm sorry, I have business to do. She has, quote, a zillion more forms to do. Seriously, though, Jerrica, you are the manager of the most successful band in the world. You can afford an accountant. Get Synergy to do the taxes. 
Wait a minute, you're right! Just feed them into the computer! She actually has a slot for that! They fed stuff into her before so she could calculate things, why can't she do the taxes? So, Rio leaves the music company, and then Jem runs up and catches Rio, and it's like, I heard you asking Jerrica to lunch. If she can't go, I'm famished. Put a pin in this, we'll come back to this later. Uh, if you've not seen this episode before, or don't know what it's about, you might assume, oh, well, it's Jerrica just wanting to have fun with Rio as Jem. Also, Rio is more enthusiastic about this than when you tell a dog that they are the good boy. Okay, so, look, Jem asks, so where are you taking me? Not some cheap place, I hope. She says... As they walk in to the fashion mall. Because, you know, the fashion mall, that's where you get all the high-end cuisine. Including the Red Rock restaurant. Which they note as being the place to meet celebrities. Everybody who is anybody eats here. Everybody who's anybody eats at, like, a cheap mall diner. So they go into the Red Rock restaurant, and Jem has suddenly become the best character ever. Hey, Baldy! She addresses the 50-style diner's maitre d'. We want the best table you got now. I don't think there is a best table in this place. Uh, there apparently is. It's that table that Fatso's sitting at. She calls the dude Fatso and demands that he stop eating his soup because she wants to sit there. And Rio's like, whoa, Jem, whoa, what? Look, we're, we're leaving. And Jem's like, like fudge we are. I never knew that all I actually wanted was for Jem to be like, more like pizzazz. Honestly, everybody could benefit by being more like pizzazz. A paparazzo takes her picture, and she, like, friggin' River City rampages on this dude. Don't invade my privacy! She throws his camera through the window, and it shatters like she just threw a brick through it. Can we just have this gem forever? The show would be so much more fun. Gem gets literally thrown out of the restaurant, and Gem screams about suing them. Rio grabs her arm and he's like, Jem, you're acting like a jerk. And Jem calls Rio a flunky. If you don't like it, take a hike. I can always get a new flunky. And Rio gets so mad. It's one of the maddest I've seen him. And he's like, flunky? And he just storms off. Rio, honey, I hate to break it to you. You're kind of a flunky. Yeah, you're a flunky, buddy. You do every job. So long and good riddance. Like he breaks up with her right there. In the middle of the fashion mall. Rio never does anything in halves. So as Jem is screaming about how nobody walks out on her, a guy walks up to her who owns a record store in the mall and asks if Jem would do a signing and she's so into that. Yes! She will not stay this way for very long. Meanwhile, the holograms have done too much shopping. Aja just wants to let her feet soak. They come across the record store where Jem is uh, literally frisbeeing records out the door. Because they're discounted. But Starlight Records lowered the prices so more fans could afford them. And Jem screams, let the mindless little twerps pay double. Raise my prices now. This is expert negotiating. So anyway, the holograms are like, what? Then Jem screams, tells them to bug off, and then vanishes. Meanwhile, back at Starlight Music, Jerrica has finished all of the business for today. Which is probably when Rio breaks in to show up and talk to Jerrica about his other girlfriend. Oh my god, he's like, do you ever feel like you know someone? And it's like, are you really doing this? And then they're the opposite of what you thought. Rio, are you doing this? Rio, you're complaining to your girlfriend about your other girlfriend. The other girlfriend that doesn't seem to know about your other girlfriend. This is not a polyamorous relationship. Okay, well, maybe it is for Rio, but he has not established this to anyone. He's such a jerk. 
So Rio tells her about Jem, and she's like, that's impossible. And Rio's like, yeah, I know. And she's like, wait, you don't, never mind. Because the holograms arrive instantly and are like, Jerrica, can we talk to you? What the frick? So as Rio has just been complaining about his other girlfriend to his other girlfriend, Jerrica hands him her business papers and is like, can you go get these mailed? And Rio's like, hey, for you, anything. I love how this is like never followed up on. This seems like something that should be a plot point. Like he forgot to mail them or something. I think I would actually be really into an episode of Gem that is all about tax returns. Starlight music gets audited. So what happens in this scene and a couple of the other scenes is that would we classify this as gaslighting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not as gaslighting as the next episode we're doing. Yeah, that episode is gaslighting for 22 minutes. This is pretty ridiculous. She's a, she is worried about her mental health because the holograms are worried about her mental health because they're like, what's up with the record store? And Jerrica's like, I don't know, I've been here all day. And immediate, they're like, Jerrica, are you feeling well? Should you be lying down? Are you tired? You seem tired. You can hear the quote marks around tired. So like their first guess to Jerrica says that wasn't me and they say we saw Jem. Their first guess isn't it must be the misfits. Even though every other time, any other situation, it would be the misfits. And they would say it's the misfits. They don't even know Tekrad exists ostensibly, so it's just the misfits. Or, well, okay, so I, I guess it could be Zoisite planning on ruining Jem's reputation by becoming an evil Jem. Yada da 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 da, yada da 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 da, it's a Sailor Moon joke. Good job, Annie. Thank you. So everybody's like, hey, Jerrica, you need a break. You know what's a great way to relax? Coming with us to the distributors' fair. Let's do some business, Jerrica. You know you love business. This is like business, but somewhere else. And then they get to the distributors' show, and Jerrica is like a four-year-old at a county fair. She is gone immediately. Oh, like, they, they turn to each other and they're like, all right, so we're all going to keep an eye on Jerrica. And literally, three seconds... This is not even me using literally as an exaggeration. This is actual three seconds. And they're like, where'd she go? Promptly as they're looking around, they happen to notice that Jim is now behind them flipping over a table. It's amazing. So they chase Jem around the corner and there's Jerrica saying, hurry, she went that way. And they instantly assume that she has completely just had a meltdown here. Because they're like, hurry, we have to catch her before she reveals that she's Jem. They yell in a hallway that echoes. They've come to a dead-end corner. There's just some washerwoman scrubbing floors who has not seen anyone come through here. And Jerrica is just like, but, but, but you have to believe me. She's lying. I don't understand this. They're instantly just like, well, clearly you're having some sort of episode. This could not in any way be the misfits. Our sister has been almost fed to a robot shark and then left in a volcano within a span of 12 hours. And this this is what takes the cake. This is completely unbelievable. I just want to talk about this maid lady's outfit because she's wearing like a baggy white shirt with long sleeves and then no pants. That is not an outfit you want to be wearing scrubbing floors. So, uh, and that was actually our episode break. So, well, nobody was about to die, but uh, I was about to start punching the holograms. We're getting a disappointing lack of memento mori by our dolls in this season. So back at Starlight Mansion, 
Jerk is actually doing this neat little thing here where she's like, I know I'm not cracking up. I know what I saw. And she's sort of sitting there, which looks like it should be if you freeze it, that she's sitting there calmly, but she's bouncing her leg up and down in this fit of nervous energy, which I thought was really nice. And I was just like, Jerrica, if Jem wasn't you, who was it? Why wouldn't it be the Misfits? Why wouldn't it be the Misfits? This isn't even the first time a member of the Misfits has dressed up as somebody else to mess with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and Kimber's just like, well, look, why don't we just all watch TV? What, you guys, what could, what could possibly be on TV? Except for, of course, information about Jim having her breakdown. Cool Trash Magazine has already sold a million copies of its Jim Gone Berserk issue. How did they get that printed in time? I'm still pretty sure Tech Rat freelance for Cool Trash at some point. Uh, enough of that. It's time to go to Flint Westwood's preview of his new film, My Fist in Your Face. I love everything about this. This is Hector Ramirez. Hector Ramirez is our crossover character. He's the news anchor who's in G.I. Joe and Transformers and I think the Inhumanoids maybe. He is our Hasbro crossover character proving that this takes place in the same universe. Which explains a lot, honestly. To me, that sounds like if if our writer here has worked on a lot of G.I. Joe, then that sounds like something that he just sort of put in there. But we choose to believe that this is just, this is the same universe as G.I. Joe. It's the only thing that makes sense. Like uh, Max said, we have Flint Westwood and martial arts star Brute Lee and also Sigourney Loomis. Buzz Dixon was having a lot of fun here. Jem also shows up to the premiere and she's like, pipe down, Ramirez. I'm the star they want to see. And then Flint Westwood ostensibly is like, but, but it's my movie. And she dumps popcorn on his head. And meanwhile, the holograms are like, what? Maybe Jericho wasn't lying. No. What do we call this? Is this like a reverse Tyler Durden? They think, oh, wait, maybe the Misfits could be involved. And then we go to the Misfits where Eric Raymond is basically just rubbing his face all over Cool Trash Magazine. So in comes that cleaning lady who wears no pants. And everybody's like, what are you doing in here? Except for Possess. She takes off her rubber mask. And what? It's Jem? And then she pulls the Jem head off like it's a mascot costume. Which it, apparently it is. And it's Clash! And she dyed her hair purple to be more like her doll. They say Clash like in a Scooby-Doo episode. They say, old man Grady! Pizzazz reveals the ruse and it's like, see Eric, I'm not counting on your promises anymore. Which is like A plus Pizzazz. Pizzazz took the initiative on this one. She was like, Eric's wacky plan isn't gonna work. I'm gonna come up with my own wacky plan. Uh, we'll actually see here in the next couple of episodes that Pizzazz is actually more convoluted than Eric Raymond. They, they make for amazing episodes, really. After this, we skip into the Misfits song, Congratulations. We previously saw this in Starbright Part 2, Falling Star. It's still like an earworm because of those congratulations, even if I kind of hate this song. Yeah, I, I kind of hate this song, but I really like the congratulations. It, it delights me. Congratulations! Congratulations! There's also this bit where they show, like, the whole band of the Misfits, and Jetta has a keytar. Jetta, put that down. You can't play that. Stormer has a guitar. I could buy Stormer playing third guitar, but I'm not sure about Jetta with keytar. I'm just imagining them shooting the video, and they're just like, look, just hold the keytar. We don't have a saxophone. Just, just pretend you know how to play the keytar. 
After the song Starlight Mansion, they're like, Jerrica, why don't we call the police? And Jerrica's like, no, because uh, then it will just still look bad to me and they'll just kind of disappear. What we need to do is get her to come out and nail her in public. What we need is a scheme. A Scooby-Doo style trap. How are you going to solve this weird and complex problem? And Jerrica's like, by staging our biggest concert ever. Is that just our solution to every problem? Dear internet friends, the rest of this episode happens in what I think must be the span of about three minutes because it feels paced like that. Before that, though, in Pizzazz's office, Clash arrives with an announcement for a huge gala and throws on her gem mask. And okay, first off, that pin we asked you to put in earlier where a gem ran up and was like, I just heard you ask uh, Jerrica to lunch. That means Clash was in there. That means Clash was listening at the door. That's weird. Uh, second, all of these times that Clash has been impersonating Jem, this has been Samantha Newark, the voice actress of Jem and Derica, apparently having the time of her freaking life. This must have been such a fun episode for Samantha Newark to record because she just got to go completely off the rails with how she did a line read. It was like, okay, you know Pizzazz? Yeah, take it to Pizzazz 12. This also means that Clash can do a pitch-perfect gem. You know, Clash is a master of disguise somehow. I don't know. I don't think owning a hyper-realistic gem mask counts as being a master of disguise. That just counts as owning a hyper-realistic gem mask. A master of disguise. Now I'm just thinking about that terrible movie. Oh, no! I had to think about it, so you have to think about it. No! I forgot that was a movie. Anyway, Pizzazz looks at this thing about Gem and the Hologram staging their biggest concert ever, and in a surprising moment of clarity, she's like, this is probably a trap. Meanwhile, oh no, dance is here. Oh, uh, yeah, that's that's what's my notes say. My notes say, oh god, dance. Yeah, we're at that, like, open-air concert hall set that we've seen a couple of times before, and they're all, like, rehearsing by dancing with dance. Which doesn't sound confusing at all to say out loud. Also, Jem can dance now? Apparently like an angel as this woman who... Maybe the costume mistress, but I think she might actually be the stage manager. She's there and I don't think she gets a name. She walks up past Rio and she's like, Jem dances like an angel, doesn't she? And you're just waiting for something dumb to come out of Rio's mouth. Angel indeed. There it is. Rio, is that the best comeback you could come up with? Okay, so then Rio's best moment in the entire series happens. Because he turns around and there's another gem going past. We don't even see him turn around at first. We see another gem wander behind him and we see him turn and look. And then he looks back at the stage and there's like a solid five seconds that pass where he doesn't think anything about this is weird. And then his eyes bug out and he says, gem? Points at both of them too? Too? The costume designer walks up and goes, Tutus, they never tell me anything! And she storms off. It is legitimately Rio's best moment in the entire show. Right up there with him kicking a potted plant. Okay, so Rio runs backstage, uh, yells at all of the stagehands and the staff to find the fake gem. Fake gem runs out onto the stage and the holograms corner her. Meanwhile, backstage, it turns out there's a switch that's labeled Castle Set Save for Finale. It's gloriously cartoonish, I love it. It reminds me of the granddaddy of all switches from Cats Don't Dance. It's just improbably huge. It's very clearly labeled with something that's not tape. So that gets pulled and like, this isn't like a castle backdrop. This is an actual castle rises in from the floor and falls down from the ceiling. 
Also, Jem nearly gets crushed by a gigantic foam castle. So fake Jem disappears in the confusion. Uh, she actually takes the, the glitter and gold roadster. Which they're just calling the Rockin' Roadster. So they run off in Rio's van chasing after the Roadster and uh, Pizzazz pops up with a walkie-talkie and it's like, phase one completed, Eric. Her plan has phases. She has phases. Pizzazz is so much better at this than Eric. So we come down to a random dock at just like the bottom of a road. Eric is here with our son, Tech Rat. Tech Rat! He gets one line. And Eric is like, perfect. Rio's like, fake Jem's going for the ferry. She'll never make it because it's already starting to take off. And Jem says, The Rockin' Roadster has some oomph. Don't count on it. The Rockin' Roadster has plenty of oomph. Buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it, buy this toy, buy the toy, buy the toy, buy the car, buy the car, buy the car, buy the toy, buy the car, put the dolls in the car. Buy the car. And then fake Jem ramps that frickin' car and lands it on the deck of the ferry, nearly killing several people. I guess that's oomph. In Rio's van, they pop on a second ferry that they see. But uh, meanwhile, up on the hill, Eric turns to Tekrad and says, They fell for it. Start it up. So they find out there's no captain on this ferry. Dance actually has a line here where she says, And no controls either. Tekrat pushes a button and just says, Here we go. And Eric is Max Headroom now. As the ferry takes off, the hologram's trying to get to the radio. And there's a recording of Eric on like a little TV. Welcome aboard the SS Up the Creek, Gem. I hope you enjoy your pre-programmed cruise on the high seas. And while you're gone, my Gem will take over your concert and give your career a one-way ticket to the bottom of the charts. And then he starts laughing maniacally. This is our episode break. Memento Mori, Gem's about to die at sea. Also, by the roadster. By the roadster. It's got oomph. Sidebar, I just realized that Matt Frewer would make a really great live-action Eric Raymond. Meanwhile, on the SS up the creek, Jem grabs an axe. She just comes in with an axe! And I just want to point out that she is Jim right now, which means Synergy can still access her. So she could just kind of disappear quietly to the side and be like, Synergy, can you send a message to people, please? Could you just, like, hack the Coast Guard? Hack something, Synergy. You know you can do it. Hack the thing, Synergy. But she's got a freaking axe, and she says, I'm not giving up without a fight. Grab the fire axes. We'll chop up the deck and make a raft. They use the tires from the van and through the power of crossfades, the holograms build a raft out of chopped up hardwood and tires. Start paddling. We've got less than an hour until the concert starts. I feel like that's a line that could only exist in this show. So we're going to start with a bunch of quick cuts here. So quick scene, back the concert. The stage manager is here wondering where the heck everybody is uh, because it's an hour before the show. And she's actually really mad that nobody's shown up an hour before the show, which is actually like a reasonable thing to do rather than the, the band just sort of arriving with no sound check like five seconds before the show starts. Like the holograms usually do. All the time. So the roadster arrives with Jem, Eric, and the misfits. The stage manager says, why are the misfits here? They say, oh, we're just thinking about joining the act. Also, Eric's Jem's new manager now. And the stage manager's just kind of like, uh? Jem says, Eric, send this person away and have them bring a bucket of caviar to my dressing room. I'm starving. Also, I want to point out that the stage manager very strongly objects to being called a person. She's like, person? It must be just in the delivery. This 
person. I I would object more to having to take a bucket of caviar anywhere. Bring me a bucket of fish eggs, an actual bucket. Wouldn't you get like really burned out on fish eggs a couple of fistfuls in? You have to use like a quarter of a teaspoon with those sorts of things to really make them pop. I would get pretty barfy if I had to eat a bucket of caviar. So back on the raft, it's foggy. They have no idea where they are. Rio's like, I'm sorry, I was a huge turd. And Jem's like, it wasn't your fault. Kind of was. Wasn't it though? Shouldn't he have noticed that Jem was wearing a rubber mask when she did all these things? Back in the dressing room, uh, they go through all of Jem's clothes and Eric calls every scandal sheet in the free world to come see Jem blow up. Meanwhile, back on the raft, it's breaking up. They swim for it and eventually make it to shore. Back in the dressing room, those canapes are over an hour old. I want fresh food. The stage manager throws a fit. Eric fires her and the rest of the crew and she threatens to bring in the union which by now should send a shiver down Eric Raymond's back. I mean, he's been on the receiving end of that before. He should know. It's amazing what lawyers can do if you pay them enough, I guess. Back to the holograms. They get picked up by a truck. There's a farmer and his daughter. And the daughter's like, oh my god, it's Gem and the holograms. Like every good 8 to 11 year old girl, I love Gem and the holograms. Buy the dolls, buy the dolls, buy the dolls, buy the dolls. And the farmer's like, I don't know, honey, I heard she's a jerk. I don't know if I want you associating with jerks. Not, what are these glam rockers doing uh, completely soaked on the side of a miserable, lonely road? What happened to you guys? Should be the first line out of his mouth. I don't know. Maybe this is just a thing that happens in LA? Probably. So the little girl vouches for Jem, and Jem's like, thank you, that means a lot to me. We'll give you front row seats to the concert. And suddenly dad's all about saving these rock and rollers. The holograms plus Rio plus dance all pile onto this truck that we later find out is completely filled with tomatoes. Like a comical amount of tomatoes. All right, here's our final scene. It's hours late. The concert should have started forever ago. Fake Jem goes up on stage by herself and just says, Ah, shut up. She like yells at the audience for wanting to bask in her glory. Which is full of crowd scene punks. My children, how I love them. People start to leave and then a vegetable truck drives right into the concert hall because that's a thing that can happen apparently. They're right butted up against the orchestra pit. Apparently this is what Jem meant by front row seats. Anyway, everyone sits back down again because there's two gems on stage and something's about to go down and they don't want to miss it. One of them's got to be a robot duplicate, right? <laughs> that's how these work. And Jem's like, all right, fine, okay. Okay, if you're really Jem, then sing something. And meanwhile, the misfits backstage are like, we never thought about this. We never thought that our fake Jem might be called upon to sing. And I love that it's just universally, canonically understood that Clash cannot sing. She starts crooning out like five seconds of happy endings, which is like suddenly I realize how Attack of the Night must have sounded when she sang it in the comics. Because it's the worst. And everyone starts booing. So remember that truck full of tomatoes? Uh, Rio starts handing out the tomatoes, despite the fact that they are not his tomatoes. He tells the farmer, we'll reimburse you for them. And I like to personally think that it's not because Clatch sounds horrible while singing happy endings. It's because she's singing happy endings that they are throwing tomatoes at her. I would start throwing tomatoes if somebody started singing happy endings. I would honestly do that too. One tomato knocks off her entire mask. What was in that tomato? That was an 
attack by a killer tomato. And meanwhile, backstage, as we reveal that it's Clash, oh crap, here come the unions. Oh god, Eric really should have learned his lesson by now. And then we get our last song of the episode, which is Gem and the Holograms actually performing, singing The Real Me. The melody of this is pretty catchy, but the lyrics are deeply uncomfortable. Oh, I treated you badly earlier, but that's not the real me. That's not who I am deep down inside. It's very, like cycle of abuse But it's catchy as heck. By the way, this music video, which is as per the usual with Jeff, this is uh, our one song for the entire concert and dance isn't even in this. So why was she there? I don't know. Did like, did Buzz Dixon just want to like use as many characters as he could for this just to have fun with it? The crowd punks love this song. Jem's whole thing has been restored. All is right with the world. The unions have exacted their brutal justice. What, they have the Teamsters union in there too? Probably. And that's our episode. Do you guys also miss the uh, superstar segments? I do, yeah. We haven't had one in a very long time. I want to learn about how I should keep learning how to play guitar so I can someday write my name. I think that's how that worked. The next episode chronologically is The Band's Breakup, episode 31. Uh, We actually recorded that one last year. So we are actually, in terms of uploading stuff, we're going to skip right to episode 32, The Fan which is maybe one of my favorite episodes in season two. If you are just sort of listening to all this chronologically, you'll probably want to go back to that episode. We covered the band's breakup right after Starbright Part 3 Rising Star. So it's between episodes eight and nine that it got uploaded. Also, if you're listening to this by playlist, this explains why the audio quality for 31 will suddenly be very bad. So, you know, have fun with that. But if you're listening to us as these are published, then we will see you next time for episode 32, The fan. So until next time, dear listeners, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mech. And this has been the Gem Jam, where we remind you that the best things in life are outrageous.